Jack Oatway. And I am Jay, and welcome to another edition of Like Dragon, Like Sun. Like Dragon, Like Sun. Welcome back, everybody. Hope you had a good week. Hope your summer is going well. Hope your summer is, is all right. If you're listening to this in summertime. During the summertime, or if, if you're in the wintertime. Yeah, I'm a man. Also potentially very relevant. Standing right now in frigid water. Frigid water? Well, and we're I will be, be making. I'll be making a saving throw every minute. To see if I gain a level of exhaustion or not. And that's okay. Before we get too far ahead of ourselves and spoil the whole episode here, um, we're going to be talking about um, a little bit about Icewind Dale. Brr. Brr. Just announced. We've had some cold drinks to prepare ourselves for just this been, discussion. Just been drinking slushies. Just been drinking slushies. Got the slushies. brain freeze. Yeah. Well, I, I was very careful and I took my time with mine, but it seems like. My whip's are numb. I can't even enunciate. <laughs> that's right. And we're here to talk about Icewind Dale, maybe a couple other things uh, about DM tips and tricks make to prepare yourself mentally for the next session even. Yeah. If you're, uh, if you're a DMs out there, this episode is for you. Mm. Or if you just want to know a little bit more about weather conditions. If you're a player who likes to go skating. Ice go skating. That's right. Ooh, there should be roller skates in D&D. Well, I was thinking ice skates. Or you, ice skates, you could will do, even you yeah. could do roller skates. Everyone, everyone lends itself better to that than yeah. others. I had rocket propelled. I could see ice skates. I could see like ice skates, like boots with little blades on them or something that you can ice skate. And there should be like a a, a faster movement speed. Yeah, I basically had on um, ice for my uh, school of invention wizard. It was uh, his uh, long strider, or was it haste? I forget. One of the spells basically gave him. Roller, uh, skates. roller skates so they can move faster cute. in combat that's fun i like that a lot but also like the idea of like maybe incorporating into like the roller skates like you got to be able to control it like make acrobatics checks or something like not it, to fall had, over he's had like little rockets in it that's propelling him mm. but also like to turn corners and to like stop and things like that you yeah. got to make checks or fall and topple well, over i suppose if they were non-magical yeah you would okay. have to if they were purely straight up that's tinker, a fun idea. Tinker tool okay. Ideas. Okay. That that's that's some homebrew ideas floating in my head. Some yeah. ice skates. They they yes. Ice skates are easier, obviously, because especially in a place where there is a such thing as ice. Um, but yeah, roller skates also maybe best in an urban environment. Mm. Something that's got urban I don't know, campaigns. I mean, co- cobblestone yeah. and ro- roller skates. If you think about it, is actually a really terrible idea. Meh. It's not like they have it's smooth D&D. pavement in D and D. Yeah. But maybe your city does. Maybe you've got Who a city yeah. that's, that magically paves its streets. That's a good spell. That's a ninth level spell. Pave roadway. That's your tax dollars at work. That's Moldworth. Moldworth? Moldearth. Moldearth. <laughs> smooth right out. The streets Smoothing are all like perfectly smooth. No potholes. Um, good use of cantrips. Mm. Or if your roller's getting long and there is a rocky path up ahead, Moldearth, and so it's nice and smooth. Yeah. A good cantrip to have with you if you're going to be a roller skating wizard. Mm, yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah, what's our, our first item on today's topic of discussion? Wee-oo, wee-oo. Ice wind alert. Yes, yes. Um, okay. 
favorite things about Icewind Dale off the top of your head? Not that we've any of us have really read into it, but I've watched some live play with uh, D&D's uh, D&D Live. Mm. Um, and if you don't want to be spoiled, watch out. Because yeah. we're going to be talking about maybe some spoilery content. So, we're going to go in all So it's it's, blind it's based in the, the snowy north. Ahead. Snowy north in Icewind Dale in the Ten Towns. And yeah, um, this is not Horror a brand based. new region. This is something that's been in Forgotten Realms for a long time. If you've ever seen The Thing, the movie The Thing, I think the it theme draws inspiration <clears throat> and themes yeah. from that. Yeah, there's, there's a horror element. And I love running horrors. I mean, I'm a big fan right now. of yeah, like Curse of Strahd and my own sort of spin-off homebrew campaigns. Horror is fun. Uh, horror set in a frozen, desolate, lonely, solitary environment is even more fun. And we're going to talk to you about how you can really make the, the environment feel terrifying yeah and making having it work against your players yeah we we spend a lot of time obviously working on npcs and monsters and things um sometimes traps but um yeah you can just kill your players with some snow exactly and we're going to teach you how to kill tp how to make a tpk using yeah. light uh, snowfall. to be honest the easiest tpks are avalanches mm. yeah it's just, just like oh look you set off an avalanche dc 20 deck save oh you failed <laughs> Or even if you succeed, dead. it's like, okay, well, well you take half instead of, damage instead of still, taking, oh. yeah, 20d6, you're only going to take 10d6, <laughs> and you'll be buried, so we'll see how long it is before you're, you you know, die of hypothermia. Exactly. And they might already have ex- exhaustion and have disadvantage on the saving throws yeah. and whatnot. You can dig but. yourself out, but you're getting more exhausted. Yeah. So. Learn how to play a Goliath in this new campaign setting. But also, more than that, there's, like, were-polar bears and vampire hyenas and... Yeah. Rumor has it there's a wear polar bear. He, you see it. His picture is on sort of a lot of the mm-hmm. Icewind Dale stuff online right now. Have you seen the Vampire Knoll? I have not seen the Vampire Knoll, but crazy I cool did, artwork. Did catch a little glimpse of the snowy owl bear. Mm, yes, yes, yes. And I'm a big Team Owl Bear fan. Uh, hoot growl, growl hoot uh, to all my Team Owl Bears out there. Um, and. Uh, the snowy owl bear is oh my god jack's just showing me a picture of the knoll vampire it looks great mm. fantastic um but yeah i i was thinking um that you know if we've got uh if we've got this opportunity now to sort of winterize Mm. various classes and races weaponized well i mean so if we're making snowy owl bears mm. and we're making like goliaths like totally like like cold proof creatures i want to i want to redo the luxodon i want a new luxodon subclass a woolly mammoth luxodon? yep i want the woolly luxodons i love that idea woolly luxodons are going to be awesome what, like what would you change in the woolly luxodon what would they have that cold other luxodons don't just just cold resistance or is there yeah. like something else it's getting cold resistance oh, okay okay and they have lots of fur Mm. I mean, like, what else could be a fun thing like, that they get? Okay, here's the thing as a DM, when you're out there, like sometimes just the simple little tiny table rule tweaks mm. is all you need. You don't have to like come up with a ton of like extra things. One little perk like resistance is enough. Mm. That in itself is a huge boom. Well, it depends what kind of thing you're giving resistance well, look, to. Look, you're going into an icy cold environment. Resistance to cold is... I know, but resistance to like non-magical bludgeoning, slashing, and piercing is a whole different beast. I know, which I wouldn't do that. We it's just, true, we it's just true. picked it's one true. little idea yeah. and just went with it. Just, just and giving it doesn't, cold it's not going to break the game. Or if you're apprehensive about that, taking it a step lower, just look at the, the Goliath book and take a page out of that where it gives people being naturally acclimatized to 
cold conditions and which mm-hmm. we'll touch on in a minute and how important that truly is and how overlooked it is as well but, you know, this is an episode like i said we a little bit for dms what if you introduce something to your game and you suddenly realize oh no i've overpowered the characters mm. i've broken my game the players are going to hate this okay first of all do players ever hate getting extra powers no no pretty sure never happened as a player myself getting something that's a little extra cool uh yeah it doesn't make me think oh i've lost all the fun and suspense from this game i'm immortal now never crosses my mind because no matter how good a perk the dm just gave me lots of things and still kill me exactly um I am not a god. Mm. Uh, so, but yeah, still as a DM, you can sometimes have a really cool encounter planned and then the players pick up a little something and you like weren't thinking much about it at the time and you kind of were like, yeah, you can have that and it does whatever. And then you realize, oh no, uh, whatever means they found a loophole and now we're going to exploit that every single round of combat and mm. my baddies will never get a hit in. And how do you fix that? What do you do? Mm. What would you do? What would I do if I feel like I've overpowered my players? Yeah. Um, it depends. Like, is it like a an in like a thing that's now part of the character, or is it just a magic item that they have? Right, say it's a magic item. Say it's like an amulet or something like that. I'd have introduced maybe something that that's hunting for the amulet, and so now there's a level of suspense because even though they do have have this power on them now, they're also being hunted and sought after by enemies, which are now hunting them down for that very power as well. And so there's a threat while they have it. Almost imagine like the Lord of the Rings. They had a legendary ring of invisibility. And some DMs could argue that's crazy overpowered, but now they have all these wraiths chasing them. And now it, it's, it's but it was central to that, to that the many campaign. wraiths chasing after you for a ring of invisibility. Well, if it's super powerful, then no kidding. Hmm. I mean, you can just go invisible at will, although there are many other features which also do that. So kind of also but i think the ring had other powers in that story um it's true it's true but it then there's another point make it a part of the campaign that's important you know make it a danger to have as well as a danger to or also like as a boon you know it's it's got both positives and negatives however you're gonna have to still you're gonna have to start to bake all this stuff into your story Mm -hmm. which you probably weren't originally planning to do well there are many things in dnd which change your story your story is never going to be the same like sure. if, if you expect right. your story to stay the same after session one then you are a fool your players will find any way to derail the story and twist it and turn it and explore new avenues and right. do well, whatever but, okay, let's say we're doing let's adapt. say we're playing a um a pre-written right so that it's right okay so you're using a module which is still like i mean the modules are still you know, like say, again, I'm thinking a lot of Curse of Strahd right now. Mm-hmm. Then so there's, you... there's a lot of areas in this that they're free to go and explore mm-hmm. in kind of almost any order they want. Um, say we're still going on this path that they now have a magical item, which you gave them, which was not a part of the module. You already, by doing that, have shifted the timeline or the narrative of the right. campaign. But and you've taken on. it into your own hands and changed the story. Every Every DM should. Every sure. DM yeah. should take ownership of any pre-written campaign and bring their themselves to it just as the players are bringing themselves to their characters mm-hmm. although again you don't have to it's it's a it's a good suggestion to try and make it your own and i sure. think curse of strahd does have a lot of customizability already or the already already but like the fact with the taroka deck if you have that or like the random chance with the the meeting with madame mistra is that her name uh, eva eva 
I am not as well versed in cursive strut as you are, but there are different cards that can show up where put which put artifacts in different locations and grant different allies and have the final boss and different you know. But like it's all very replayable because there is an aspect baked into the campaign as a whole which makes it replayable because no two things yeah. are gonna be the same because the location of things are random. So yeah, you can't just come into it every time and go, Oh, I know where the sensor is hidden, let's go straight there because It'll be somewhere different this exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. And I think if it doesn't, that doesn't exist in your, in your module that you're playing, try to inter, like introduce that, introduce a level of randomness or uh, a thing that means when your other friend tries to play it or when your players play it again sometime down the road, if they do play it again, then they won't feel like, oh, I've already played this before. But instead that they're playing something new, you know, and something with a twist on it. So I guess my thing as a DM, I, I mean, I really do like bringing new elements into the game. Um, there's so much great resources out there. Um, people have published on places like DMs Guild. And I, I love some of the content. It's, it's beautiful. It's balanced. It's great. Mm. Um, or at least it looks that way on paper. But you have to remember that if you have, especially if you've got new players or players who aren't very experienced or players who don't really know the base rules of the game, introducing too many homebrew things that you find exciting could just end up being confusing for those yeah, players. And you know, you, that's been your advice to me again and again. And, um, I'm unwise when I ignore that advice. Um, and I always love, I love when you try to introduce anything. I think they're amazing. All like your weird inspiration cards with like the Taroka or like whatever, where you're yeah, introducing new It seems new to be working. You're right. But I mean, like the Taroka but, deck, like I'm using one tenth of the things that I thought might be fun to do with it because you're right. My, I think if I make a mistake as a DM, um, it would be that I want to put too much crazy new stuff, mm. uh, into things. And, and fortunately I've got, I've got you to bounce the ideas off before I hit my players with them. And I'm not every DMs fortunate enough to have somebody then go, Hey, I'm thinking about doing this. And then you can kind of look at me and roll your eyes and like, your new players have no idea what they're they're doing, and you're right. I have got a few new players at the table, and I I need to sort of balance by balance. I mean, I need to I need to to be I need to be considerate to to them and not over over overwhelm them. There's enough rules with D and D to start with to figure stuff out. Um, on the the other side, though, I've got two experienced players at the table who help the rest of the party enormously when they're not quite sure how things work. So mm. I can bring stuff in and the newer players, you know, can get informed by the more experienced players as to what's what and what's good. And they pass things around. They're, they're good players like that way. That's the other thing I'm doing with the Troka deck inspiration is they can share them between themselves so they can pass them yeah, on. By that's saying, a whole by complicated saying, system. By saying, but... oh, they have to say nice things to each other. It's yeah. pretty easy. Mm. Yeah, but... I'm just saying that for me, it's my experience when I'm playing with new players and I've done this too many times. And I think it, this is ties back to our main fear of trying to introduce too much at a time and overwhelming players to a point where they don't understand what's going on or why certain things are the way they are yeah. or, or well, this is, feeling this, overwhelmed with how much they can do or whether they need to track You don't really want to confuse or, or yeah, frustrate or overwhelm like new players especially. So, and this is where going back to the idea of you introduced an at magic item, possibly because your characters were kind of a lower level and you want to try and help them out through this the first little bit, sort of 
level them up a little bit quicker. And then you realize that you've got to change the rules a little bit mm -hmm. on the magic item. And I sort of find it's okay to, I mean, I think every DM has to at some point just bite the bullet and go in and say, okay, we have to, we have to retcon this. We have to change. And I think there's um, many ways you can do that. You could just say, okay, I'm just going to change the rules. Now this is what it is. Or you could describe it in game, like a say. Let's go with an example of something in your game. Is, is that, has that already been introduced? Yeah. Uh, this whistle. Is yeah, it a whistle? It's a whistle that you blow, and creatures with keen sense hearing, especially, but I suppose just keen sense in general, um, have an adverse reaction to it, and they have to make a saving throw or be uh, incapacitated. Incapacitated for a little while, and we've gone back and forth trying to balance that. Um, as well, but you have you retcon? Is that the new retcon version? Or so is that the the retcon version of it is once you once you make the save, you're no longer affected by it, right? Which honestly should have been there to start with. Also, though, to make it a little bit harder for them to use tactically, it's got a thirty foot radius on it. Uh, elves also have keen senses, uh, as do some other races. They've got elves in the party. Uh, if the elves are in within 30 feet of it, they also have to make mm. saves until they pass a save. Um, so if my party's listening to this, you know, well, they know I've, they've, they've all received the, what's that message regarding this, but um, this, this podcast will come out after we play next again. So we'll see how that goes. I'll get back to you on how that works. I sort of, I sort of hope they'll come up with a plan, a way to build up the elves immunities to it um out of combat but we'll see how they i sort of felt like the giving them the putting the the immunity after you've passed the save thing in there would eventually help like the elves could actually get over it and then they can continue to use it in mm. combat but i think that there's going to be given the newness of some of the players in it it's going to show up in combat and it's going to affect their side as much as it affects the other side, which mm. I think actually that's a fun, fun learning tool as well. Maybe as right. a DM introducing stuff like that, it kind of, it gives new players an opportunity to sort of see and learn how, um, how the right, game but, affects both sides. But I also want to talk about how you would introduce that change. Like you could, like you did just send a text in the WhatsApp chat, which is fine. It's a good way to first introduce it, communicate yeah. before the session begins. But then in session, is if there's a way to describe how the That's change makes, maybe very as good you idea. enter the mists or as right. the full moon comes around, Once you feel they, the, so they've woken up. They've woken up, the and they're definitely whistle. they're definitely now on the Barovian side of exactly. the mists. But just find a way. And that maybe like, that's changed things. Mm. Maybe that's why things are different here than they were. before. Find a way to like make it so it makes sense. Like maybe just an, maybe because even like magic is loose and doesn't really make sense or whatever. And there's a mystical side to it which players sure. don't understand. But then find a description or a cool way to make a change rather than just say oh yeah we're retconning this you know because that can break immersion and that's okay if you want to do that and that's what you do before session yeah but then and then if you really the want story. to be able to yeah. like weave the story and make it feel more cohesive and maybe a little bit more planned or still like less immersion breaking then that's a great idea give I'm, I'm gonna do that boom there you I've go got it figured right. out the elves are gonna wake up feeling like their ears are extra perked up so those are some dm tips for you uh, yeah. Just some things on our mind from right. my experiences. Fig figure figure out not only a mechanical way to fix it, but a narrative way to fix it. Exactly. If you do introduce something like that. And so there's an approach. You could put negatives on it that are story-based rather than technical-based, where now there's a 
a group of things chasing after them, much like the Lord of the Rings approach, or uh, retcon or change the way the magic item works in response to something happening in the story so it's mechanically different and nerfed. Um, and But don't do it in a way that necessarily feels intrusive or unplanned or immersion-breaking, but instead as a way that could make sense narratively and make sure to communicate with your players before you make the change or how the change will be made, or especially after receiving feedback and talking about how you feel about how it's impacting the campaign uh, is how I would go about doing something like that if you feel like you've dropped something unbalanced into the player's hands to mess around with. Although that can be a very fun thing. I think some of the coolest campaign concepts are when low-level characters get this crazy powerful magic item, much like a, um, I think it's like a, a planar cube. What's It's like a cube of something where you can use it to like go to different planes and of existence. And I've seen like a campaign idea online about giving a players that um, as like the idea behind the magic item where they can now go from plane to plane and have challenges controlling it. And that's a part of the narrative in the campaign, which I think is a very cool idea. Yeah. Uh, introducing extra planar things, especially at a low level thing that can make it very intense. It is moment, intense. I, you know? I can tell you from playing a fourth level Without ba- making character. it broken. You can control where they can go still yeah. with the magic item. Other planes of existence. I mean, it it it's really fun to suddenly be shifted into such a foreign like place a place where you know sunrises and sunsets mm. and gravities and all sorts of the things that you take for granted are no longer the way they were uh, it really takes you into a whole world of high fantasy very quickly uh, i suppose talking about environment bring yeah, it back to ice bring it back yeah i mean well this is just it like you know all of these these and these settings that we come up with whether you have launched somebody to another plane of existence or to Icewind Dale, it's it's really about trying to put the story into another another world, another place with its own unique mm. challenges, the I environmental think able, challenges. It's actually being able that. to flesh out those environmental challenges is important in making that immersion and not making some crazy wild environments so feeling so safe like when you're passing through them, right? Because sure. going through the Feywild, there's going to be razor branches where you, you slash yourself and razor whatnot, vine but, outside yeah. the Feywild. So we're going to talk razor to you a little bit everywhere. about some environmental razor vine hazards and green and slime. DMs just exactly. pack mm. their games full of those two things, nope, don't they? Never. But we're going to talk about how you Why can now put we? that into your game. We Why should. don't we do that? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I um I, a while ago started working on this thing I called the Master Player's Guide. And it's just about taking like skills and stuff sort of to the next level, not adding new stuff, but all the rules is written, how to play the, the skills, um, just ways to make your, make your role play at the table, uh, even better. And one of the things I remember was researching through it, how much things like nature and survival talk about, uh, razor vine. Mm. And after a while you start thinking, thinking, God, razor vines is a big issue in the wilderness, according to 5e rules. Uh, yet, I as a player, traveling through the wilds many times with parties, never come across this stuff. And suddenly I'm thinking, why aren't we putting more razor vine in? There should be way more razor vine in the game. Yeah, sure. If you want to up the difficulty of traveling, introduce some razor vine or some. No, it should be everywhere. It should things, just, It but... says it grows on walls like ivy. So the next time, you know, even you're like approaching your local tavern, you're even in an urban setting, you know, yeah. the the tavern outside the tavern door, there's yeah. there's razor vine. Take out some like exterminate the razor vine. You know, 
yeah. and there could be some like a swarm level, of rats. Low level as challenge. Well. The the players need to get a room at the tavern, and the tavern keeper has got an uncontrollable razor vine problem that's slashing all the guests coming mm-hmm. in through the front door, and so the players must go and rid the tavern of razor vine. And then that could then further the campaign, and they could discover something in the side alley. I don't know. Razor Vine's got an AC of eleven and twenty-five hit points. Mm. It's also got immunity to bludgeoning, piercing, and psychic damage. So you can't you can't, you can't use hit your psionics with, with you. Um, you can't hit it with a hammer. You've got to use slashing, uh, or fire, or acid or force, or something like that. And um, but here's the thing: like if you come in direct contact with it. Uh, must succeed on a DC 10 dexterity saving throw or take so, five So I guess damage. like any attack is a direct contact or 1D10. with it. Right? Yeah. So every time you attack it, you got to make a dex save or five take slashing, take damage. Five slashing damage. It's like, that's like, what's well, a hell of a fight? The total TPK and for the arrows party. Arrows won't work on that. You know? Party you outside, can't shoot parties outside getting TPK'd by the razor vine on the, the tavern. The best way to get like rid of it is with a, like a quick burning hands. Yeah. It's a bit of fire. Just sit back firebolt. Hmm. But then you introduce other threats to keep them moving. Well, you're using Firebolt, and you say, like, yeah, we can do this all day. Next thing you know, the tavern's on fire. Or maybe they're being chased on an alley, and they see the best way of escape is up, like, climbing up this building, but it's all covered in razor vine, and so yeah, they now they have to the make dark, a chance. in the dark, it just looks like ivy. Exactly. Unless they get a good survival and nature check. Exactly. They're like, oh, it's in the middle of the night, and you're being chased, and you see what could be climbable vines on the wall. Um sort of plant matter right make a nature oh oh I'm, could i climb this what what plant is this make a nature check say like, um seven yeah this looks climbable to you ouch you get cut and then you fall down and you land in some slime oh it's green slime <laughs> okay well that's just a mean dm move i wouldn't go that far but anyways <sighs> getting back to icewind dale um i think it's important to maybe talk a little bit about what extreme cold means yeah uh there's there's in, in the a weather couple of cold weather things that are going to come up right uh some things extreme cold probably strong wind possibly high altitude if you're climbing over mountains Mm. uh possibly slippery ice possibly thin ice i could even see some frigid water coming and frigid water all these things first i want to talk a little bit about extreme cold though all right so these things first of all dms out there if you are looking for them uh flip to page 110 in your dm's guide or do a quick search on D&D Beyond. Just look up weather on D&D Beyond or Adventure Environments and it should show up. And uh, yeah, have have yourself a look at at these. And look, this doesn't have to be Icewind Dale specific. Hmm. Uh, this could just be your campaign in any, general. Any campaign anywhere. Even if like, even if you're just thinking, okay, I want to play, I just want to play like a Forgotten Realms type setting, but hey, let's make it wintertime. Hmm. Just for kicks. Yeah, it's in the winter now. Winter happens. Or you go to some plane of existence, like the Feywild, and the seasons shift constantly, Ooh, you know? The winter court. It's the winter, yeah. And it's very winter literally court. winter court time. Exactly. It's always winter, you know? Mm. Something like that. And it's really just cold. Or even then we could talk a little bit about extreme heat if you're crossing some grand desert or, or in yeah. some tropics. But given how hot outside it is for reals here, I'm actually quite happy thinking about cold things for a little bit. <laughs> I said my slushy has gotten gotten my brain frost going. Extreme cold. Um, apologies to everyone around the world who uses Celsius. Uh, the realm of D and D is in Fahrenheit. It's all in American metrics. Yeah, which I mean, we got totally used to with like the whole feet thing. 
Um, temperature is always one that throws people a little bit more. So essentially um, zero degrees Fahrenheit right. in Celsius is around negative 17 to negative 18, so closer to negative 18. But negative 18. So, okay. So extreme cold in D&D is whenever the temperature is at or below zero degrees Fahrenheit, which is, for those of you who need to figure this out, minus 18 Celsius. So Or lower. Or, yeah. So that's cold, right? Definitely feeling the cold on that. Um but good to know that it's actually, it's it's considerably below the freezing point exactly. of water. Exactly. It's not just zero degrees So it's Celsius. not just, okay, it starts snowing a little bit. D&D is asking it to be significantly cold. Mm. Uh, anyways, a creature exposed to this cold, it's got to make a DC 10 constitution save. And it's at the neat, end of each hour, not right. just once, at the and end of each hour. it's neat that they set it at DC 10. So it's sort of, it's a bit like a, bit like a death save type number, right? You just... But you get a constitution bonus on it. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, there's lots of constitution plus fives out there. Saves plus five. Like if you're a barbarian, you probably got that. Or even just picking up a um, resilient feat, which grants you uh, proficiency in constitution saving throws. If you don't have that already. Yeah, well, if you knew you were going thing. in to be playing Icewind Dale, that's not a bad, not a bad feat to pick up. Yeah. If you want to be a variant human, pick up that. Especially if you're not playing a barbarian or something. That's or a, got yeah, something that gives you a constitution, constitution save. Uh, so that you pick up your proficiency bonus in it. And then you should be okay. You should make it. But if you don't, if you fail that if save. If you fail the save, at the end of each hour, you gain a level of exhaustion. At the end of each hour. And that... That, that folks uh i mean you only make the roll every hour but yeah if you fail that a few times You're first time first time is just your yeah. uh ability score or, just uh, ability or checks. Ability checks so now trying to see things is a little bit harder yeah, that's you're okay a little bit you tired, get through that you know? then second one speed halved so Which now the amount of time we're going to be stuck in that cold is, is longer x is now twice that amount of yeah. time then the third one is where it really takes a nosedive because now you have disadvantage on attack rolls and saving throws. Yeah, so if you, you fail the third one, the next couple of the fails next three, are going to exactly. be... The next save you're going to have to make against this cold is a disadvantage now. Yeah. And then the fourth one, your hit point maximum is halved, which really sucks if you get into combat because now you have half your hit points, half your speed, and disadvantage on all attack rolls, saving throws, and ability So this checks. is what, four hours in? Four hours in if you fail four times in a row after four hours. And five, your speed is reduced to zero. You can no longer move. Yep. You, now someone just, needs to come now help you're you. Just sitting there, you're in just the awaiting snow, your fate, shivering to death. Exactly. And then six is death. Yeah. The next hour, you're going to roll that again with another death. disadvantage, and then just die. Mm-hmm. And you die in the cold. Yeah. And and yeah, maybe this is TPK. So the whole damn party's gone. Mm-hmm. That's right. Unless you've got a Goliath or someone resistant to cold damage, maybe. Or somebody we'll can set up shelter. Exactly. You got some survival skills. Do you got do you got somewhere to sh- mm-hmm. that you can huddle away from this? Can you build a snow cave? Can you like get a wee bit of fire going? Or as it mentions in here, uh, if the you're if you're wearing cold weather gear like thick coats, gloves, scarves, earmuffs, woolly underwear, um, then you automatically succeed on the saving throws. So that's it. That's all you need. That's right. So if you have resistance or immunity to cold damage, which I don't know how many races out so there this have is really, that. But. So this is really up to the DM to determine, did you wear the appropriate clothes? Just a fourth level spell. Drop protection from energy on one of your friends. Maybe twin it if you're a sorcerer. And give two people resistance to cold damage for a little while. And, and they're going to be for, for pass sure. a couple saves for a little while. Or just get some cold weather gear. 
or play a woolly Luxodon. Which does not exist. Or Goliath. And Goliath yep. would Goliath is being naturally adapted to cold climates. To now be And have cold that. resistance in the new version, which is a thing being talked about the, by the devs. And then, do you want to talk about extreme heat or should well, we just skip over that? I was going to say skip over that one. Strong, okay. strong winds come with blizzards, for sure. Mm, yeah. So strong wind is going to impose disadvantage on range weapon attack rolls. And wisdom perception that rely on hearing. Yeah, so you, in strong winds, you can't hear much. Uh, so it's going to take out any sort of open flames. So your torches and things are going to be mm. goodbye. And uh, disperses fog. So if you're even spells that can be dispersed of, by strong not, winds. Yeah, I suppose you're not, you're not a lot of fog typically in a blizzard. Um, but if you cast your fog, or who knows, maybe the, maybe there your, is your is on foot during it. Cause flying creatures uh, in a strong wind must land at the end of their turns or fall. Just yeah. pretty bad. And here in the online in D&D uh, Beyond, it just says, and a strong wind also extinguishes open flames, disperses fog, and makes flying by non-magical means nearly impossible. So if you still have your fly spell up, you should be okay. But again, the Arakokra, who can fly about, can now should now land. Um, the uh, the rules as written also state that a strong wind in a desert can make a sandstorm. And I would argue that a strong wind in a snowy area... Can create a snowstorm. ...creates the same effect, uh, the snowstorm that imposes disadvantage on perception checks that rely on sight. So now you have disadvantage on hearing and, and seeing. Yeah, so if you're in a blizzard, sight and seeing is, is bad, which means that getting lost is it easy? becomes easy, even easy, worse. Yeah. Uh, missing something or not noticing that crevasse and suddenly the whole party falls to their death. Ha, 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 game over. Or noticing Roll the- Roll new characters. The, <laughs> or noticing the, the dire wolves approaching you. <laughs> in the distance no no direwolves why would they be on the snow i can oh, see I some direwolves on the snow because they um are acclimatized to such things naturally adapted to cold climates that's the words so yeah if you're naturally adapted like a direwolf is or like then, a goliath yeah uh then there's heavy precipitation and this also includes snow so it's not just about rain yeah. but also snow everything within an area of heavy rain or heavy snowfall is lightly obscured and creatures in the area have disadvantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on sight Heavy rain also extinguishes open flames and imposes disadvantage on wisdom perception checks that rely on hearing. So this is basically the same thing as strong winds, um, but a little bit easier on you because it only imposes disadvantage on perception checks um, that rely on sight and hearing. Uh, And then if you're going to climb up a mountain while you're doing it. High altitudes. So you're climbing up a big mountain where the Goliaths live. Well, Icewind Dale's set in the mountains. Oh, yeah. You decide, you know what? It might be faster instead of going all the way around the valley. Why don't we just cut over this mountain pass right here? It's only 10,000 feet feet high. Um, So that's not a big deal. It's just like really hard to breathe. Exactly. And and each hour the creature... uh, Spends traveling at high altitude counts as two hours for the purpose of determining how long that creature can travel. Breathing creatures can become acclimatized, acclimated, acclimated to high acclimated. altitude. Acclimated. Mm. I'm thinking of the word acclimatized. Yeah, I know. I acclimated to a high altitude by spending 30 days or more at this elevation. Breathing creatures can't become acclimated to elevations above two, so 20,000 feet. your native such Yeah, so basically it just means your traveling speed is halved, essentially, mm-hmm. going over the mountain. So that means... And you're exhausted, so now you're have speed as well so now you're four times to say for example but yeah things get things get slowed down when you're up high and in the cold yeah and which means you're taking more rolls against 
the cold. Exactly. Um, and yeah, I suppose as a DM, you know, but that, now the Goliath that, Ranger comes that in. That DC ten could become a higher DC rating exactly. in higher winds and higher altitudes. In you know, as temperature gets temperatures get even further cold, <clears throat> DC ten is just a starting point for it. So. Uh, feel free if you really want to punish your players with cold yeah. well even with enough warm clothes it still gets really cold i mean i, I grew up in canada in the mountains I, I get what it's like it's even with warm clothes on it's nasty yeah so now you have to ask your players how many layers of cold gear do you have on three yeah. layers may not be enough well after you killed those dire wolves and you wrapped yourselves in their furs <laughs> they smell you're better fine. on the outside you're absolutely fine. <laughs> smell better on the outside. no they uh, yeah i thought they smelled worse on the yeah something like that so then you're you're hiking along and you're thinking hey we're doing great um we're just going to cross this frozen pond here mm. and you're thinking well it's cold right so it'll be thick ice but what if it's thin ice? It's thin ice. There's rules for actually thin ice in D and D, which is beyond which here. Is, listed again, here. this is like this is up there with traps. If in my mind, you're sort of like, yeah, there's some ice to cross. And if I don't know, like maybe if your players didn't grow up someplace where there was ice on ponds and things, maybe they just assume that all ice is like skating rink ice, and you can just like walk on it. Mm. But no, no, sometimes it's thin, and you only notice it's thin once you're in the middle of it. Exactly. And then... It has a weight tolerance. It does. They, they it's like a lift, it. imagine. You know, it has a little... Make your players fill out tolerance. their characteristics portion yeah. of their sheet. In Icewind Dale, make people make sure like they have their weight listed. Make sure their weight is do listed. Do research for and, the race that you are and then are they and should figure out that, that plus their equipment. What do they... What How are much are they weighing? Everybody should know this. They weigh... So essentially, thin ice breaks under certain weight tolerance. And here it's listed as 3D10 times 10 pounds per 10 foot square area. And if there's ever more... Than that, than that total weight uh, on an area of thin right. ice. Right. So you roll that up. Then let's it say, breaks. Let's say we hit something of slightly above average, like let's say twenty, just for easy numbers, right? To roll to to calculate. So mm. that's two hundred pounds on a ten foot square area for the space that two characters take up. Two hundred pounds, unless you've got halflings, that ice is breaking. Exactly. A Especially couple if of you humans. Have like a or like if you got a furbolg, because you knew or you, Goliath exactly. Even. They're those those guys are heavy. Um, Something if a Durgar decides to cast enlarge on themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because they go up eight times in weight when they do that. Curse they're definitely curse pollution. Um, and so then they all creatures on broken ice fall through. So maybe you're having combat, com combat, combat on the ice, and the direwolves are attacking, and now they're within. You're all within a ten foot square, and they break that weight tolerance. You're all falling through into the ice, there, and that's that moves a, that's just to frigid old, water. That's an old movie trap, like where the you lure lure somebody out onto the ice and then the cracks start to happen. Maybe you could attack the ice. Maybe even if it wasn't that thin, I think it would still be, I'd still let my players try and break through a, it. Yeah. They could do like attack rolls on the ice mm -hmm. and smash it at the, with a chance that some, one of them might fall in too. Exactly. And then I suppose then there's also a thing here called slippery ice. Um, and slippery ice could also be thin. And uh, I have a little table rule that I wouldn't mind introducing uh, when conjoining these two. But slippery ice is difficult terrain, so your speed is halved again, you know, or not half, but for every one foot you move, you have to move two feet, right, yeah. normally. When a creature moves onto slippery ice for the first time on a turn, it must succeed on DC 10 dexterity acrobatics check or fall prone. And I'd argue if you're also on thin ice that's slippery and you fall prone, that fall. could easily break the ice. I would also make the exception that if you're wearing ice skates 
it's mm-hmm. no and or it's no luck but if you're proficient so you ever tried to put on if you've yeah, never gone if you're not you're gonna if you've never gone ice skating folks and you put on skates and you step on the ice for the first time not easier and i'd also not say easier for the first time if they make a successful persuasion check they could break the ice so they fall through the ice what get happens it? yes i get it mm-hmm. all right we fall through the ice what are we now in we're in frigid water. This is also listed on the D- in the G- DMG. Yeah, this frigid is still pretty much here. all page 110, folks, if you're looking um, for it. A creature can be immersed in frigid water for a number of minutes equal to its constitution score before suffering any ill effects. Constitution score, not modifier. So say you have a average of 10 constitution. You didn't put anything in, although I would suggest putting some stuff in it. Um, you can stay in here for 10 minutes uh, in frigid water before stuff gets bad, provided that you can also... Yeah, I mean, it doesn't breathe see, or I, not given that it's score and not modifier, and I'm wondering if that's a typo or not. I'm assuming it's not. Um, it does seem like a long time. Like, I mean, swimming around. But you also have to be holding your breath, and you may not be able I've, to hold your breath this I've long. I've been in, in mountain lakes in the summertime, and as soon as you jump in, you get that sort of shock to the system where you go, oh my God, I can't breathe. Like, it's cold. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, but you're so, not going to start dying you, immediately. Yeah, I don't know. I You feel like you need to get out right away. Mm-hmm. So maybe I've just got a really low constitution score. Mm-hmm. Each additional minute spent in frigid water after, the, after your constitution score requires the creature to succeed on a DC 10 con save or gain one level of exhaustion. So much like the cold environments here, a DC 10 concept. Right, and this, this starts, level of exhaustion. so yeah, and this, and this comes every minute. Every minute afterwards. Right, so while I'm, I'm saying, yeah, hey, look, it seems like you can swim around there for a long time. Yeah, you need to get out of that water. It's not a question about whether you're not freezing, because you pro- probably are going to be freezing. But if, you've fallen water, through, if you've but... fallen through the ice, it's not an immediate danger. Like mm-hmm. I said, you got, you know, your constitution score at this point. So it's at least eight. So you've got at least eight minutes, 80 rounds mm. to get your butt out of the water. Exactly. So that's not bad. Like if you guys, if you can't in 80 rounds, pull somebody out, they're dead. Let's face it. Just forget about them. Yeah. They're gone. Especially if you can like shape water and freeze the ice back over them. Oh. And they're going to be like <laughs> pressing up and trying to like reach for air. Worst or bad escape. guy attack ever. Yeah. Shape water is such a low level spell too. But again, like you could have a it's pretty, a cantrip, not yeah, even it's a level. A cantrip. Yeah. So you can have a pretty low level bad guy with a shape water cantrip. And just players fall through and it oh, freezes the ice go. over them. Part is dead. Makes uh-huh. it thicker. Yeah. I don't know. Why am I in such a TPK mode today? <laughs> well, again, creatures with resistance or immunity to cold damage automatically succeed on the saving throw as to creatures that are naturally adapted to living in ice cold water, such as the new Triton adaptation, perhaps. Are you saying that there's ice Tritons? Well, I'm saying that they've recently, I believe, changed it. So now they do they have a resistance to cold damage now? I'm not sure. But they I know should. they can breathe underwater. I mean, water's cold everywhere. It's true. You have the bottom of the sea. But they exactly, you know. I'd I'd imagine they're a climate like they're used to that, no? Yeah, you sort of think like they just like you're coming along in the mountains like that, you're all bundled up, there's a blizzard going on, and you look over and you know, these couple of tritons have have cut a hole in the ice and they're just sitting there soaking in it like it's a hot tub. It's got a couple of brewskis out, you know, the shirts off, you know, their arms sort of leaning on the sides of the ice. And you're sort of walking past like, hey, how you doing today? Drinking away because, hey, cold doesn't bother them. Exactly. Isn't that a line from Frozen? Oh. Cold never bothered me anyhow. Wow. I'm going to just have to move right on you from that. I have to edit that portion right <laughs> out of the podcast. Yeah. But those are most of the things we wanted to talk about uh, regarding wilderness hazards. But also, I'm not, I mean, I'm not sure about the contents of the book, but... Yeah, desecrated like, ground is that going to be an issue I, here? I, it, it certainly something that I've 
you've got in Curse of Strahd. Mm. Um, we've got a lot of uh, places where... Uh, and it does get ground. It's in the same section of the book, which is why we're talking about it. It's on the same page. Uh, it basically, it's just like a, it's like helper ground for undead. Exactly. It's like their, it's like their happy playground place. Um, some cemeteries and catacombs are imbued with the unseen traces of ancient evil. An area of desecrated ground can be any size and a detect evil and good spell cast within range reveals its presence. Maybe you have some lich's graveyard or something like that where it's phylactery rests and you could argue that a five mile, like, or maybe even their lair or like a shadow dragon's lair could yeah, be like a it, five it mile radius, big. which are all desecrated ground. It, I mean, it just makes things a bit sucky for mm. your, your cleric. But now undead standing on desecrated ground have an advantage on all saving throws. Yeah. All yeah well you're right and that's all so again if it's if you have a some sort of magic weapon that does something that they get a save on they've got an advantage on that save so yeah but if you can't get rid of it in a couple of ways yes there's some spells that there could be pot plot reasons why it goes away like getting rid of the uh, lich's hallow ground but doesn't hallow hallow. it's just the hallow spell the hallow spell purifies desecrated ground within the area and i believe hallow spell is quite a large area of effect it's um oh no it's never mind it's just 60 feet is it thought it was maybe a bit larger than that. But also you can get rid of a 10-foot square area using a vial of holy water. So yeah. cast your ceremony spell and put some holy water on the ground. Get rid of it. C- ceremony, make, ceremony make holy water? Yeah, you can use a ceremony spell to make holy water. And you can do it as a huh. ritual. So spend 10 minutes to make a vial of holy water. Huh. And then sh- put it on a little 10-foot area so you can now by rest. By ver- vial, you mean a big bucket. <laughs> you scoop that big bucket out of uh, out of the river. A venti holy water. Out of the, the <laughs> venti, Starbucks-sized, uh, yeah, holy water, and uh, and then yeah, if you if you put it into like you know uh, some sort of watering can, hmm. if we're using just, American metrics. Well, might as well use American yeah. soda cup sizes. Why not? Yeah, why not? No matter of holy uh, water. And when then you just yeah, you just um, watering can your way across. Uh, you know. Maybe even bigger area, mm. and voila, no more happy s- zombies. Well, okay. So also, I think this is important. Players can recognize that there are these wilderness hazards going on. All of the desecrated ground, frigid water, razor vine, slippery ice, and thin ice. Using a successful nature check, yep, uh, you can set an appropriate DC. And, and actually, in chapter eight of the DMG, it lists how to how to do that, um, how to set those DCs. And- yeah, and to some extent, you could alternately, alternatively, offer survival mm-hmm. checks as well. Um, if you've got a player with uh, cartography skills, and if they have a map, they might also be able to, from that, uh, forewarn your party to be on the lookout for mm. certain environmental hazards. Uh, navigators uh, if you've got uh, navigating tools that you let your players use on land they might also uh, be able to add bonuses to the party noticing such things uh, there is perception checks your party's making sort of all the time anyways if you're but moving those along. could be made with disadvantage if there's a blizzard going on and and they're depending how fast you're moving you get plus or minus five if you're mm. plus if you're going slow minus if you're going fast plus you may be moving half speed there's a number of things in here that are make it really hard but stacking all these effects together it really terrifying environment it does unless you've got yourself a ranger a ranger which nobody builds nobody wants to build 
because we don't replay wilderness stuff. But if you want to be able to survive in the bitter cold, play Goliath Ranger. There's a crazy idea. I mean, Icewind Dale, do a, a Goliath Ranger, talk to your DM to see if they've got, if it will allow you to do any minor table tweaks to... But you don't even have to actually you know in this case like a lot of times we tweak rangers because having very specific sort of biomes for them to be in like a favored terrain is really hard if you but choose here if you know arctic exactly if you know your whole campaign is going to be set in the in the snow then choose arctic it's done it's Boom. you don't even have to worry about it and this is the perfect setting for yeah doing something and like then that. yeah then i i guess as well maybe a little bit of gaming the system and knowing uh, knowing the sort of primary monster types of Icewind Dale, what are you up against? Beasts? I don't know, maybe? Or what is the Frost Maiden stuff? Is that. Fae? Would Fae? you know? Would you know? Would you take it anyways? Um, something like that makes you, would make you, and I'm only guessing, like I've not seen any real Icewind Dale apart for some, from some very simple one shots played by celebrities. Uh, on the internet the uh the idea though in the back of my mind right now of if you want to min max this if you want to go like power character the goliath ranger which is i'm i'm gonna guess out of the box right now a unusual combination i don't think i've ever seen anybody play a goliath ranger mm. uh, goliath barbarians sure but goliath rangers hmm interesting yeah go arctic and i don't know what subclass would you go with that Hmm. I mean, that's a good question. You could go the hunter and try and take things down. That's a fairly simple one, though. You could maybe go a beast and get a snowy owl. Beastmaster goes get a snowy owl, or go the the gloom stalker. You know, and especially in you know, like a horror spooky campaign, going like all edgy with the gloom stalker could be an interesting idea. Maybe I like the snowy owl idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, you might want to use the new variant version because um, it's been widely accepted that. You're gonna need to buff up your beastmaster a little bit, because if your snowy owl dies, you're not gonna get them back very easily. Fey wanderer. I'm not sure if the frostbaden is Fey, but that could be an interesting thing. Going Fey wanderer. Maybe. I, maybe I don't know the implications of that. Horizon walker. If you're, I'm not too sure. Too planer. Too. Uh, monster slayer. If you want a little bit of magic, like protection from evil and good. Zone of truth. Magic circle. Banishment or hold monster could be very helpful. Um, getting some hunter senses and be able to learn damage immunities resistances and vulnerabilities you know um yeah that could be a very cool thing i could see very cool monster slayer what if you went the swarm keeper and your swarm was like living ice wow you had me at living ice or like you know how like there's like shrimp and like things like frozen in the ice Shrimp? things yeah isn't there like weird in the freezer section of your like of <laughs> no. your local supermarket <laughs> Stuff like that. is that your total exposure to like frozen things no, no, what no, you've but seen I know, but i know no 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 hold up before you mock <laughs> me relentlessly in like the like the arctic and the poles and things there is like shrimp and whatnot or not shrimp but like krill <laughs> that look at me like and things frozen in the ice you could like control those and they could be okay <laughs> I, I was fine with living ice. I was going to let living ice go. I, I, this is a high fantasy area. Like, whatever. Living ice sounds like a thing. Yeah. You know, why can't it just be like teeny weensy little bacteria frozen in the ice? And just why does it, it have to be like frozen shrimp? <laughs> and just change it from force damage to cold damage. Or something like that. Yeah. Shrimp damage. Shrimp damage. 
like cocktail sauce with that. Hmm. Yeah, that could be an interesting thing. I've never seen I've never seen something like that. That's a very cool idea. Just switching out necrotic and force damage for some cold damage. Although you're probably going to see a lot of things with yeah. resistance to that Maybe a, not the best the, choice. The, the, Maybe not the best terrible choice, choice actually. I'm like, you get all edgy. You're like, I do cold damage in a place where things adapted to cold. Yeah, I do cold damage. Maybe not the best okay. choice. Okay. Yeah. I'd like to see, I'd love to see a Goliath Swarm Keeper. That's such a cool idea. A Goliath Swarm Keeper, Living Snow. The Living Snow. Huh. Yeah, actually, that's, that's, that's interesting. Oh, Okay. Okay, this is a new character build. Yeah. Maybe we'll report back to you next week with with, yeah. with our Goliath. Force, force damage would be okay. Force damage is all right. Yeah, I'd be okay with force damage. And necrotic damage. It has necrotic damage listed somewhere else. But we could tweak this in home rule a little bit so it makes a little bit more thematic sense. But yeah, maybe don't choose cold damage this this yeah, campaign. I somehow feel like that's that's going to come back to get you. Yeah. Or consider playing a water genasi who get the shape water can't you for free and trap all your enemies under the ice. Why not? Yeah, um, I there's one last thing I wanted to finish off with, right? Um, for the for the DMs, new DMs, and maybe even old experienced DMs out there as well, that, um, and or people who want to be DMs, I hear this one all the time. There's a lot of anxieties uh, that we carry uh, in ourselves. Are we doing a good enough job? Did everybody like it? Um, People tend to over plan and they prep a lot of stuff because they want, they want everybody to have a great time and enjoy themselves. Uh, or they decide that they're a little bit intimidated to DMing because yeah, they don't want to, they don't want to, you know, they don't want to do something that's going to ruin the experience for everybody. And a lot of DMs carry that anxiety around, you know, with them. It's, 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 it can be a bit heavy sometimes. Um, and I don't know, I guess I'm, I want to say to, to people who feel that way, um, you know, take a deep breath, uh, you know, feel your pain. It, it, it's a real thing, but um, acknowledge it, but let it go. Because if, if people keep coming back to the table, if they keep showing up every time you plan the game, you're doing it right. The Everybody... And they said, you, you can talk to each other and communicate if things are going a little off track and wheel it back, but don't second guess yourself. Don't, don't in your mind, you know, replay things and think, oh, I could have done that better or, oh, you know, I'm so embarrassed by how that worked out. Um, let it go. Just uh, move on to the next game. And said, as long as everybody keeps coming back to the table, everything's okay. Everything's all right. Don't overthink this. It's just D and D. Just have some fun with it. It's a good message. All right. I think that wraps up our episode. We yeah. we had a good discussion. Wraps it up and makes it ready for extreme cold. Ready for TPK. Yep. We're gonna drop the shrimp damage on it. <laughs> exactly. Know when to drop shrimp damage on your party. All right, folks. Have a delightfully warm week. I hope uh, temperatures where you are are, are not frigid, summery, and delightful. And Maybe invest in constitution this summer. Yeah, exactly. In preparation for the coming Go winter. Go find yourself a nice, cool pool in the jungle of Newell to chill out in. That's right. Chilling like a villain. Have a great week, everybody. Bye bye.